You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the fabulous Feinstein's 54 Below. Before we get started this evening, just a polite reminder, please take this moment to silence your cell phones, and also there is no flash photography, please. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Feinstein's 54 Below podcast. My name is Kevin Ferguson. I'm an assistant programming director here at the club, and today's guest is the one and only Ann Morrison. Ann Morrison is back in town with her new cabaret, including insights and never before heard tales of Merrily We Roll Along from the perspective of her award-winning character, Mary Flynn. 40 years later and a few years wiser, in her signature playful, heartfelt style, Annie reprises the Stephen Sondheim songs that she had the honor of introducing to the world. Everyone, please help me welcome the one and only Ann Morrison. Hello, Anne. The crowd goes crazy. The crowd goes crazy. Most people are going, who? (laughs) Well, they're going to find out after this podcast because you are legendary. (laughs) You have been part of the Broadway scene for so long with iconic shows. We're going to get into all of it. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. Yes. All right, Miss Morrison. Now, do people call you Annie or do people call you Anne? Professionally, it's Anne, A-N-N, not an E at the end of it. Mm-mm. But the whole world calls me Annie. In fact, when people say Anne, I never turn around to look. Because I think they're talking <laughs> to somebody else. <laughs> but aren't Aww. you Anne Morrison? Yeah, but I'm really Annie. So, yeah, Aww. Annie is perfectly all right. I love that. All right. Hey, right. Annie. Okay, <laughs> everyone. In fact, my last memory, my last memory of Stephen Sondheim was at Hal's Memorial. Lonnie Price and Jim Walton and I were invited to come and sing Old Friends from Merrily. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was interesting because I thought, well, Daisy and Judy Prince, why that? It wasn't Hal's big hit show. And he said, no. And I said, that song is everything about my dad, even mm-hmm. the fight in the middle of the song. So we're done. It was a glorious night. Uh, Lin-Manuel says, Annie, you should have seen Steve's face for the whole thing. He was practically crying. Aww. So I come down to say thank you for inviting us. And Steve is shuffling because he just turned 90. He's shuffling his feet along and he goes, and that's wow. my last memory of him. Wow. Mm. So he, even so he called sweet. me Annie. <laughs> even yeah. Stephen Sondheim called you Annie. Well, listen, yeah. everybody, we got Annie on the podcast today, and she is ready. <laughs> I want to hear more of those stories. Like, oh, there are I so few people. Yes, like Stephen Sondheim and just the other legends that you were able to meet in your career is just so amazing. But let's get into it. For the folks that don't know you at all, let's go back. Let's talk about how all artists just went through that crazy thing called a quarantine. Okay. Oh, and how good Lord, the yeah. world is finally back kind of as normal as I think it's going to be. Is this your first time coming to 54 Below or getting on a stage since everything kind of went crazy in 2020? Or have you had the opportunity of doing a little virtual performances? I have a theater company down here in Sarasota, Florida, where I base myself. Doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that I have to be here only, but this is where I hang my hat. Mm -hmm. And we have a little company called Sarasota Productions, which celebrates solo artists. So Mm. my cohort, Blake Walton, and I decided to create this program because we were part of the United Solo Festival in New York. 
And I love solo theater. Mm -hmm. And when I say solo theater, I mean all aspects of it, whether it's spoken word, whether it's a solo play, autobiographical, biographical, whether it is a solo cabaret show, whether it's a solo musical. For me, a cabaret show is a solo musical. Mm -hmm. You name every kind of way of comedy, any way that someone's on stage alone to celebrate storytelling in their unique way is what we would celebrate. And we wanted to help people develop their solo material. So we decided to have a festival to get our community used to the idea of the patchwork quilt of kinds of solo performances there are. But always in the very beginning, helping people develop, helping people develop, helping people develop. So in 2020, I got a chance to do in our festival a show that got us involved in United Solo Festival. It's a solo play called Linda Lovely Goes to Broadway. And it was during a time that I was working with persons with developmental disabilities. And one of my little actresses was a woman with Down syndrome. And she was the reason I think I came to the planet. Mm. I was supposed to just meet this woman and have this amazing experience with her. And she created a musical. I screamed at Stephen Sondheim several times, how do I help her write a musical? But I just stayed out of her way. And mm-hmm. she always wanted to be Lori in Oklahoma. Um, so Aww. I gave it, she, her Oklahoma was more like Rogers and Hammerstein meets Eugene Ionesco. But yes. Fantastic. Perfect. So, <laughs> but I wrote a solo play about her mission in life. I work with people and I focus on what their deeper core mission might be. And working with her and her going into her Alzheimer's, I think I had a sense of that. And that's what the play's about. So it's not so much that we're exploring the minds of a person with Down syndrome or that she's going into Alzheimer's. We have to know that. But Mm -hmm. it's a much deeper journey. So I did it in 2020. It looked like we were going to tour with it. And then, boom. Everything came to a halt. But we kept trying to figure out our company. So being live on stage was just recent. I mean, for Mm -hmm. myself. I got a chance to do another cabaret show that I had done at 54 Below back in 18. It was called Mm -hmm. My Furniture Set. (laughs) And again, I do cabaret. I don't stand up and sing my favorite songs. And Mm -hmm. it was written by so-and-so. I don't. It's more like a little mini musical. Mm -hmm. And people go, you're singing about furniture? (laughs) But I wasn't singing about furniture. I was telling personal story because we're all stimulated by furniture. And so I had a chance to do that one more time before I had a breakout, even having been vaccinated and had my booster shot, a little Mm -hmm. breakout. But hey, it was like, gone. Boom. It was. So that took the fear level away from me. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like, oh, hey, now it feels like an endemic, not a pandemic. Let's move on. Let's stop being afraid. Mm -hmm. We can't do this anymore. We've got to buck up or we can't heal. Mm -hmm. We can't heal. We're in constant clutch of fear and pulling back. So let's just... Yes. Relax and get going again. Yes, relax. I love that though it was very scary times for you, you were still out here creating and helping other artists create. That's so awesome. Oh, hey, we went online. You can with solo theater. I mean, Mm -hmm. we did a whole festival. We work in the schools too. We are in Booker High School, which is a visual and performing arts center. And we are now part of their curriculum. Mm-hmm. The juniors are learning solo theater development, mm. which is great. It becomes their wild card getting into college. We work with a middle school that's also a performing arts school doing an intergenerational program where they have to write monologues based on the elder that they mm-hmm. just interviewed. And we're getting ready to scale it out and, and branch out doing stuff. It's very very important. So all during that, we had to have those kids, we had to teach them online. 
and that was bizarre. But they had to go away and create a so because they have to do ten minutes of maybe a larger piece that they would do. Mm. It might be a cabaret style. It might be autobiographical solo play. It might be multimedia. It might be performance art. It mm. might be spoken word. I mean, these kids really went for it, and because they had to have a camera, they created these amazing performance art pieces on film. So we learned a new step. I would never say again, hey, sure, if you want to do more multimedia behind you and interact with it, let's go for it. We, we learned a new tool. Mm-hmm. We learned how to stream. We learned, I'm just like, let's learn. What else can I learn? I become mm-hmm. a nerd. I become a, <laughs> a sound engineer nerd now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. The pandemic definitely taught us all a lot more about it technology. Did. And it <laughs> To me, maybe I'm an optimist, but I felt that the experience, as horrific as it was, and we lost a lot Mm -hmm. of people on the planet, Mm -hmm. that's always a tragedy. But we had to stop and slow down and reassess who we really are. And I think we will never again be any generations like my dad's generation, Mm -hmm. which was you got a job, that was your career for your life, and that was what you did. We don't do that anymore. We are constantly reinventing ourselves all the time. And COVID really proved that we could have the courage to do so. Mm Because things would collapse. Theaters had to collapse. They couldn't survive. But so everybody had to get really creative really fast and slow down and keep it simple. I miss the slowdown. The slowdown was so fun for me. I slowed all the way down because, you know, in New York City, you're go, go, oh go, 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 go. So the idea of yeah. having that chance to slow down, I really took advantage of it. Now the yeah. city's back and it's kind of mm-hmm. moving to its same fast pace. And I'm like, wow, we had something special in those that time. Right. I was in New York for March the 10th because I was at 54 Below doing a jazz concert yeah. and doing some Sondheim jazz, which was a lot of fun. It's so fun to be with a band, and they mm-hmm. were so fantastic. And get to play with my jazz voice that I like to play with every once mm-hmm. in a while. But I, it was so weird to be back in New York after so long, and to be in Times Square, where it was kind of like, this is the way Times Square should be. Yeah. There shouldn't be this many people. <laughs> yes. I shouldn't have to fight past people going into m M&M store, you know? So. Right, right. But at the same time, it was scary. So we didn't know to appreciate it. You know what I mean? It, yeah. in, a, in that weird way that we're able to appreciate oh, yeah. it now. I'm just happy to hear because I like to ask all the artists that come on here, like how that experience was for them. Because I think for the listeners and theater fans, it is really good to hear that we all was there in it together feeling the same kind of fears and taking the same kind of rest but staying creative yeah the creativity online that people were doing they were finding ways to communicate through zoom Mm. zoom i will never give up zoom (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to do a board meeting again in person right zoom made their staple Um, in the universe for sure (laughs) it was a smart smart thing i know some people are zoom fatigued but uh, Mm -hmm. i don't care I think I look better on Zoom than in person. Okay. You don't have to leave your house to go to a meeting. You can be right there on your couch. Come on. My skin looks always so good. (laughs) Put a little filter on it. Get out. No, Anne. You don't need any kind of skin. No filter. Stunning. This is so exciting to have you, though, because now you're back. And you have a new show full of... In your description of your show, it says never before heard stories from Merrily We Roll Along, which well, I... Well, unless you're my friends. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you might have heard them. <laughs> 
when Jennifer Tapper asked me if I would come and do a solo piece again, and I said, do you want me to come back and do my furniture set? Because I only did it one night. She said, sure. Or you could do a Sondheim thing. Mm-hmm. I went, okay, I could do that. Or you could do a Sondheim thing. Right. I, said, I think she's hinting something. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I said, won't New York be tired of Sondheim by then? No. She goes, nope. Nope, no. they'll never be done with Sondheim. I went, okay. No so I thought about it. I said, what would be a fun story to tell? And my cohort, Blake Walton, mm-hmm. we used to be married. We have a son together, but we have this company together. He said he wanted to start interviewing me because in the best, worst thing that ever could have happened documentary that Lonnie Price did beautifully together, a lot of things went on the cutting room floor because he found this documentary tapes from the past. And I'm not really a part of any of that because my story started later. Mm-hmm. And he said, gee, I wish some people could hear what went on the cutting room floor. And I'm like, oh, Yeah. I think I need to tell the cutting room floor stories. Yes. So that's what this is. Wow. Um, it is. And I'm singing merrily mm-hmm. backwards like it is. <laughs> I'm singing the songs that I sing. Mm-hmm. But as I say in the piece, I'm not a historian. I don't really care about the what happened stuff. You can read that in a book and there's plenty of them. Mm-hmm. I'm an actor and a storyteller. I'm more interested in how it felt. Mm, yes. So the mean. whole storytelling is from the perspective of what I can remember, since I say we only remember our last remember, mm-hmm. what the feelings were. So now I can approach a song that even I sang in the show with the song being a different metaphor relating to the story that I might be telling. And that was a lot of fun to put together. So I get to reinvent for me some of that material and sing a little bit of other people's material that I didn't actually sing, but I'm using it in my storytelling to maybe have an emotional connection to something I just said mm. because Sondheim already wrote it. Right. I just have to relook at it and put it in context of what the story I'm telling. It's really a lot of fun and a parody. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, a fun parody I get to do. <laughs> okay. I love that you take, the, you know, I love what you said about cabaret and how some people get up there and just sing their favorite song. And some people get up there and they do cabaret, but it's still a story the whole time. It's basically right. like a one person musical. I love that idea. Mm-hmm. I am excited to hear these stories because I think just the story from the book that I read about you is impressive. Just the idea of Merrily We Roll Along was your Broadway debut, but you were also originating that role at the same time. Mm-hmm. Did you feel yeah. that at the moment or was it kind of like you just, you booked another show? Did you feel the weight of originating oh God, a no. whole role? I'm already a professional actor. I had mm-hmm. my union card. I've been working. I know that a lot of the cast. I mean, Hal Prince and Judy Prince had the great idea. Wouldn't it be fun to do a show with high school kids? Because mm-hmm. when you go to, and it wasn't until I saw Daisy Prince, their daughter, who did Merrily with us, but then go back and do her high school show. I know what they're talking about. It's that enthusiasm and uh, rawness that's so fun, but you can't do that on Broadway Mm -hmm. without commenting on it in the way. Mm -hmm. It didn't quite work. I I got it. I got it. I knew what he wanted, but I don't think you could pull it off Mm -hmm. because then it just looks like a high school show on Broadway. And why are you paying at that time? Top ticket price was $35. Oh my God. It was so expensive. I know, right? (laughs) I wish. Um, (laughs) I wish. And the cool thing about Hal Prince, back in those days, he really encouraged theater so you in those days could for five dollars you could buy a ticket and do standing room in the balcony Mm -hmm. and for ten dollars you could do standing room in the orchestra which is why during that whole preview period people 
got a master class in musical theater development. Mm. It was really quite amazing. And and I really thank Hal Prince for loving the theater that much and allowing students and people to have that chance to be a part of it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if many producers do that now, but he was he was old school. He was an mm-hmm. old dinosaur. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to miss him so much. Oh, yeah. Much. I mean, so legendary. I mean, that's why I think this call, this podcast is so mm-hmm. fierce. And like you mm-hmm. have direct connections and memories with legends in the Broadway world. Oh, oh and I've got hell stories that are fun. Oh, yes. <laughs> so you'll, you'll have hell. to come and see them. <laughs> okay. Listen, I think that that is so fun because we know that you're reliving these moments with us and just the joy to watch you retelling the stories. It's going to be so fun. Right. And for me, I always say to my students who are developing a solo piece, make sure you have those aha moments in there Mm -hmm. so that it feels like you are discovering something too with the audience. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're just doing a TED Talk. You're supposed to be, this is a theater piece. It needs to be theatrical. Allow you who are a character, you're playing yourself, but Mm -hmm. you're playing yourself, (laughs) allow you to have those aha moments. It's exciting and thrilling when the audience feels that you've made a connection as well. And so that's fun. I allow myself to rediscover and have an aha, several aha moments with the audience. Yeah. Well, speaking of aha moments, when was it that you realized I'm on Broadway. Was there ever a moment when you like went from being a working actor to being a Broadway star in this new <laughs> Stephen Santa? Did well, it ever is... feel like that or no? If, well, I guess, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we were just so in awe of what was happening. I came to New York after earning my union card through the Burt Reynolds Jupiter Theater. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had been there for 52 weeks. I've done five equity shows. Mm-hmm. So I really deserved my card. <laughs> Burt Reynolds had said on the Dinah Shore show, because he had featured all of the apprentices that were there, he said, Ann Morrison, this is the one that's going to be on Broadway, and I bet within a year. Mm. He was off six months. <laughs> but I came to New York, and I don't know, just that everything was right. I was supposed yeah. to be there at that yeah. time, because this happened. You know, I got my first off-Broadway show, and then I got my first big regional show, which was a brand new musical called Keystone working with Scott Bakula, you know, oh, nice. making his debut and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. so it was a fun time. And to think that I could be in a Stephen Sondheim Hell Prince musical, which I grew up with, I didn't think I could do it because I was going to be turning 25. I was too yeah. old. Yeah. But you'll get that story when you come and see the show. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay, enough stories, because we got to save the stories for the show. But I would yeah. love to know because I love asking people this question, because I feel like it's a very hard question. So prepare yourself, Anne. Okay. What is your favorite Sondheim song to sing, to perform? I know, I know. I just asked so fast. That's a tough question. I don't know anyone who loves Sondheim can answer that properly. Right. To tell you the truth. Because I wake up in the morning and I will sing a song, Stop worrying where you're going, move mm. on. You're right. In fact, that's on the back of my car. Aww. <laughs> That is brilliant to put on the back of a car. I mean, I'm, I'm going to drive my car to a dive. You know? It's hilarious. <laughs> I want to put all kinds. I want to put, this is just a moment in the woods. Or, I mean, even cream of wheat has lumps. Or, no, yes. My favorite line is from Now You Know that I sang, which mm-hmm. is, you must burn your bridges now and then or you'll never grow. I mm. love that line. That's true. I love that line. He, he wrote um, some real so, stuff. 
he wrote, he wrote some, some real stuff. You know what I mean? If you like just really read the lyrics, you could start crying just from reading mm-hmm. the lyrics. And then mm-hmm. you hear the mm-hmm. harmonies and it's just like, I'm a mess. I'm a mess. Anytime I, I see Into the Woods, I'm a mess. I know. <laughs> well, and, the, and it's funny because when you're young and you appreciate musical theater and you're performing as a young person, you understand Sondheim as a young person. Yeah. And then you have more life experience. And then you go back into that song and you go, oh, that's what that line meant. Mm-hmm. And you do that till you're 90 years old mm-hmm. because life keeps filtering in. I mean, it's brilliant that way. I've been singing a line in the song for over and over and over again. And then one day I was singing it and it went, <gasps> whoa. That's what that was about. I had no idea the depth, the layers of that particular line. Mm-hmm. And you don't get it till you have some life experience. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I love about Sondheim. Oof. Yeah. You're right. That's so true. Mm-hmm. It's so deep. So I don't know if I can answer that. Mm-hmm. I think when I wake up in the morning, it's a lyric of his will hit me. And I love the way he weds lyric and music. They're just so beautifully matched. When I do a vocal performance class with students, I'll say, let's just separate the lyric and the music. We'll explore what the lyrics are and blah, 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 and all that stuff you do. I said, all right, now let's just sing the tune. And tell me what emotionally is going on, because it's your emotional body that's wedded to the words, right? Do they fight each other? Are you perhaps singing the lyric along with the music when maybe perhaps you should be fighting against it? Mm. Just to find another layer in it. So sometimes I'll just hear a tune and all of a sudden that's my favorite song. Mm -hmm. It it depends on the day. It depends on the weather. (laughs) And Sondheim, if any of you women out there who sing Sondheim know, he favored the male's keys. Mm. People will sing, how the hell did you sing Old Friends, Annie? Right. (laughs) I said, it was hard. But you're a star. You're so fierce. Of course, you like, you just nailed that. <laughs> I think it's so amazing because you've had such a full career. And most people, after having the accolades you have, they just sit down and chill. You know what I mean? But you. No, 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 no. Yeah. I'm still inventing myself. Yeah. I love <laughs> yeah. that, especially with the kaleidoscape. Did I say that right? Kaleidoscape? Kaleidos- Kaleidoscope. Kaleidoscope. Yeah. Well, I'm, we I'm not with that anymore. I don't have that program anymore. Oh, okay. That but was a period of time, yeah. Were you, yeah. you the co-founder at the time? When it co-founder started? and wow. the artistic director of that program. For, so I started that in 1995. Wow. I took that into about 2000. 16 and I said okay it's all yours baby I'm it's time to move on I got a solo play out of it (laughs) right do you remember the day or the event that made that inspired you to start that yeah I was working doing cabaret Mm. solo cabaret down here in a place here in Sarasota which doesn't exist anymore we don't have a really good listening room I wish you know what okay one of my dreams Mm -hmm. is to be the host of a listening room cabaret listening room yes like I would love Anyway, there was a beautiful one down here. And my accompanist then, my musical director, and I said, musical theater is a whole brain experience. It wouldn't be great if we could create a musical theater program for some population of people that could really benefit with that whole brain experience. I, at the time, because I'm dyslexic, thought maybe it'd be learning different kids. 
a casting director told me, you know, Annie, half the industry is dyslexic. That's like, duh. So like, oh, yeah. All right. That was dumb. But then we got involved with a theater company that was challenged to connect with some human resource organization to create something. And they said, hey, we love your idea of musical theater. And so that's where we got connected with persons with developmental disabilities. And mm-hmm. I didn't know. I just say yes to everything <laughs> and just dove in and, and, and realized I love this population. I love working with autistic people and people with Williams syndrome and Down syndrome and different forms of intellectual disabilities, which I hate that phrase. Yeah. I know they didn't want to say mental retardation anymore, so they call it intellectual disability. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of intellect they've got. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe cognitive or something. But right. Int- intellectual disability yeah. no and me being dyslexic with my own disability i had to really learn how to communicate to so many different people so we were all in the same place mm. which was really challenging and fun to do but yeah that's what started it was wow. how can musical theater which to me is a whole i mean you have the spoken lines of a play mm-hmm. and then the character can no longer express themselves in words anymore mm. their heart needs to expand and so they begin to sing and then their body can't contain themselves anymore it becomes a spiritual experience in a way and then the body it just is a whole brain experience a whole brain and heart experience there's such a connection going on there that yeah it was like a Duh. Yeah. yeah. That's the one. Yeah. That's the moment. So that's how it got started. Yeah. I love what you said about the connection to the heart and the brain because you definitely can see it when you're in mm-hmm. the audience and you see somebody on stage really connected to the piece and telling the story and it just makes it so worthwhile. And... I tell one spooky story. Oh, yes, please. In do. my club act. Should I tell it now or should I save it? Ooh. How spooky is it? Well, it was this mysterious thing that happened. I'll tell it. If you come to the show, we want to hear it again anyway, I Perfect. think. Yes. Or you can just go to the bathroom during that time. <laughs> this is I'm my sure. chance to go to the bathroom. It's about mid-show. We probably, oh, yeah, I need to go to the bathroom now. Oh, she's telling that story. I'll just go to the bathroom. Um, but yes. people were always in my dressing room. I'd open my door after taking my costume off, and there'd be somebody in there. I was mother confessor. <laughs> I opened my door expecting that somebody was going to be there. And there was this little African-American girl. She must have been about 13 years old standing there. And I went, hi. And she said, are you a singer? And I said, uh, yeah. Did you see the show tonight? I need to speak to the singer. Oh, I'm a singer. Did you see the show tonight? God wants me to talk to the singer. And now I'm getting scared. Oh, okay. Shoot. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And she said, when I look into the face of people, I see the devil. <gasps> and and I'm really scared. And I went, oh, I said, well, I look into the face of people. I see God. Hoping that was the right <laughs> And she said, oh, okay. Well, God wants you to know that it's through the singing. You have wow. to do it through the singing. And I went, okay, I'll I, I, I remember that. And she turned and she left. And I went, okay, Okay. I, went, I okay. grabbed my purse and I, and I went out in the hall and she was gone no. fast. And I, Lonnie, Lonnie, did you see a girl? Go, no, oh, you didn't see a girl. Okay, uh, Jim, Jim, did you see? You didn't, you didn't see a girl go by? Okay, run down the stairs. Uh, oh, uh, Beverly Randolph, she was a stage manager. Did you? Have, you didn't. You, you didn't see a girl come down the stairs. Okay, I go to Joe, who's the doorman. Joe, did you? Did you? Did you bring a girl in? She said, No, 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 no girl came in here. And that weird. That is like, so weird, but yeah. also but it, like. But you have to do it through the singing, right? Like it was so 
the message was so strong. And I feel like for an artist, sometimes we beg for that signal, that sign, like someone tell me that I'm supposed to be doing this artist thing. And then here's this <laughs> random child. <laughs> In your room, delivering a sign, (laughs) delivering a sign from above. That is crazy. Or somewhere, who knows? Or or somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. That is so. But you took her advice and you stuck with the singing. Something, or well, I croak out something. Something comes out. If I sound horrible, just know it's through the singing. (laughs) She told me to do it through the singing. (laughs) I'm supposed to be bad right now. It's through the singing. Oh my goodness. No, you have to tell that story. The audience is going to go okay, crazy. Right. Okay, I wouldn't right. even hear it again. That is so creepy. Like, yeah. And you just made my brain. I mean, obviously you're a storyteller, but like I just pictured all of that and I'm going to have nightmares. So okay. thank you. <laughs> go to sleep, buddy. I'll come and sing you a lullaby tonight. Just call yes. me up. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, and this is so exciting. Okay, wait, I have more questions because now I want to pick your okay. brain too about your process. Okay. Back to, again, the whole, you could be doing a cabaret number and just like singing a song or you could be telling a story. Do you have a process that helps you bring your solo shows? Like, is there like a routine you usually do to build the story? Well, when I'm teaching cabaret development, I usually tell students to when you're first starting out, there's a wonderful little template that Liz Torres, and probably don't even people even know who she is, but she was an actress. Mm -hmm. And I got a chance to work with her way, way back when we were doing Man La Mancha. And she was a cabaret performer, too. And she said, Annie, you should be doing cabaret. Here's my suggestion. If you get a 45-minute cabaret act together, and I'll give you a template, you have your audition material for a long time until you get older, and then you can create another one for the next template. And she said, I would suggest that the first song that you sing gives the audience the idea of what kind of evening they're going to have. Mm-hmm. Okay. Your second song is a bit of a throwaway because she meant meaning that the audience isn't quite ready to attune to you yet. So that's why it's good to maybe do a standard, but with your own spin on it if you want to, just so people can take that next step before. By the third number, they're yours. If you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, then you can go anywhere. You can have your emotional numbers. You can have your instructional numbers. You can do whatever you want to. So you have a full ray. When is your aha moment? When's your mm-hmm. aha, the song that you make that realization that things can change or whatever. What is your 11 o'clock number? And when you're done with your cabaret act, it's probably a good idea that your encore number, which mostly you're probably going to end up doing anyway, you only cut it if it's gone too long, should be in contrast to what you just did. Now, mm-hmm. that saying, sometimes you can break those rules because I've been doing it for so long. But I sort of kind of keep to that. Uh-huh. My show here is, I won't give it away, but the song that I sing is from Merrily. And I originally thought I was going to come in brassy, but I realized, oh, no, 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 no. Now that I know how I'm telling the story, it needs to have a completely different tone to it. Mm-hmm. So that when you come on the stage, you kind of get an idea what kind of evening we might be having. Mm-hmm. And then I have some comedy, some things we can throw away a little bit, mm-hmm. things that are familiar, and then we can take the journey with me along. So for me, I like to get an idea of what the story arc needs to be. What journey do I want to take? And then I'll, if, if it's not now, Marilee's obvious. These are the, that's my limitation. It has to be mm-hmm. this show. <laughs> sort of. Right, right. <laughs> sort of. But usually then, then I will start finding the material that will help support just like in a musical, you have your scene and then the character can no longer express themselves in words. Their emotional life must be 
just like Shakespeare, you have your prose and your verses and your prose and your verses. That heightened thing happens when the music happens, all right? The song happens. You don't want your patter to be what you're going to sing. The song is a continuation of your journey. Mm-hmm. Quite often we'll tell people, make sure you don't do that in your, in your patter setup. Yeah. Make sure the song is a continuation or it's about the emotional metaphor yeah. of what you just told me. Yes. So that's kind of my process. Yes. And with Merrily, my limitation was I knew that it had to be Stephen Sondheim. Mm-hmm. There are some words that I say that are George Firth's, but most of it's Annie Morrison. <laughs> and we tell it backwards. And so a song is a metaphor to whatever story I'm telling I'm telling. Wow. So. Okay, I hope y'all just took notes because that was the fastest <laughs> masterclass I have ever taken <laughs> in cabaret. I'm sitting here like, I need to remember that for my own we show. Just I need to... <laughs> you can just slow the tape down. <laughs> I just think it's so fascinating how you have broken it down to such a science and the fact that you commented on the patter because a lot of people think cabaret is just about the singing portion, but the patter is very important you could lose a whole crowd if your pattern's not right right well i may lose the crowd because i have more pattern (laughs) could you stop talking and sing something again oh my goodness i'm kidding i'm kidding and how do you know you've talked too much on the stage do you feel it or is it something that just comes naturally to you how you know when you talk pretty fast (laughs) you have to listen quickly as you can tell by talking to me Yes, yes. If you're a slow listener, you're lost. Sorry, but you got to keep up. Uh, no. I just go for it. I see feel what like happens. it might just yeah. be because you're such a legend at this and you've had so much practice. Your solo shows have been written about to acclaim like they love you. I just feel like you have to mentor people now. This and... is a unique one. This, yeah? this is most definitely a unique okay. cabaret show for me. Because it's uh, everything that I do is personal anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, I allow myself to be vulnerable. I'm not afraid to be vulnerable on mm-hmm. stage. And there's going to be a lot of that in this. Mm-hmm. And that part of me feels like once this is done, I can actually go on. Yes. Oh, I wow. I don't have to hold. There's still a little bit of this on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. A little bit. Aww. And I think being able to just finally say some things that I haven't been able to say or express, That's we'll be able to move on. Yeah. Stop worrying where you're going, oh, move on. Don't get me crying, Anne. Come on now, don't get me crying. All right. <laughs> do you perform? Do you perform? I do. I grew up a performer. My new passion is producing. Oh, great. Yeah, but I love cabaret. Well, do you want to do a, a solo piece? I'll help you develop Come it. on. Yes, that would be so okay. fabulous. During All the right. quarantine, okay. me and my friends, we kind of put together a production company that we kind of like great. work under the umbrella of now. Just trying to bring shows and bring fun stories and just definitely going to be having your advice in the back of my head. At the well, hey, gig. you and I are working together in the future. Hey, that's for sure. Let's do I'm it. Come right on. Now. All right. Okay. I, I feel like you listen, guys heard it here. Okay, y'all heard it first. You heard it too. And I call Anne and she's like, who's Kevin? We're going to listen to this podcast. Don't act like you don't know me, Anne. (laughs) I'll never forget you. Oh, yay. Well, this has been so fabulous. I do want to ask you one last question that I just feel like I always just want to like, just pick your brain about. Okay, my favorite color is green. Yeah, of course. (laughs) No, okay. But you've been in the theater industry for so long. Is there anything that jumps right out to you that is kind of different now 
than it culture wise or anything about the theater industry, Broadway industry that you feel like is a little different? Well, now? I'll tell you, I was concerned about, let's just talk about Broadway for a minute. Okay. Because it got, it's just so expensive. Mm-hmm. When I got involved in theater, my parents were college professors in the theater. Mm-hmm. So I was dragged into the theater kicking and screaming, <laughs> kicking like a chorus line dancer and screaming like Ethel Merman. But I loved it because my folks liked to create stuff. Mm-hmm. They wrote three ballets, one opera, three musicals, art songs theater, little, all kinds of things. I, mean, I thought that was normal. I think I've carried on that tradition <laughs> in our family. I thought theater should be for everybody. And when it gets to be so expensive and out of the range that mm. only certain elitist people can go, then something's wrong. Yeah. That worries me. I, and because of that, I mean, a lot of people will not go to the theater. Mm. Oh, I don't go to the theater. Oh, why don't you go to the theater? Well, I could go to the movies, or I could mm-hmm. stay home and watch TV. Yeah. And that's a problem we're going to have. We're having to say, I don't see enough young people going to the theater. Mm-hmm. A, they're not getting it in school. Mm-hmm. As the arts programs are being stripped away, you might have music teachers coming in, art teachers, but we're not seeing a lot of dance and theater unless you're going to schools that are visual and performing arts schools. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in the brink of having more and more of, that, of those cuts happen. Yeah. So that's scary. Yeah. And there are just young people who, because they don't, they don't have it in their tradition, they don't go to that. They'd much rather just go to a movie or just sing, we've got this now. Oh, yeah. yeah. The good right old phones, the whole internet in our pockets. And that scares me about a lot of young people who, they don't know how because I, I work with them a lot. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to socialize anymore. Theater kids do, because theater kids, you peel them off the walls. But most kids don't know how to socialize. They're not having sex. <laughs> I just found this out from some teachers. I said, wait, you're not having sex? It's the phone. No. The, the internet. It's the phone. Mm-hmm. It's the internet. And I think that we're going to have to have therapy <laughs> when they get older to know. I mean, because I think there are a lot of kids that have uh, this have this attitude of I am privileged. Mm -hmm. I have power. Mm -hmm. I can get you fired because Mm -hmm. you touched me wrong or you didn't honor my pronoun Period. or all these things, which are fine Mm -hmm. for us to explore, but not to hurt other people by or have intolerance for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. I thought we were supposed to learn tolerance, not intolerance. Mm It's interesting. We got some challenges coming up ahead. Yeah. And on the theater, it's got to stay alive. Yeah. Because there's nothing like there's nothing like being in the room with other people having an experience together. Mm-hmm. There is nothing like it. Mm-hmm. And you can have it in a movie theater, but then you're not having it with the actor. Right. And why I love solo theater so much, it is so terrifying. Mm-hmm. But what's brilliant about it is that you do connect with your audience so that when I'm on stage with another actor doing a play with many characters, I am a better actor because of my relationship with my audience. Yeah. I don't know how to explain that. I don't know why that makes sense, but it does. And I think when you do solo, you start to understand that. You are naked. It is just you up there. And it's okay to make a mistake. Mm -hmm. It's okay. It's totally human. It's wonderful. In fact, the audiences enjoy that experience because you were vulnerable with them. Uh, you know, they got to be a part of that. Yep. And when you're in a film, everything's fixed. It's fixed. And, and live theaters, you can be singing and dancing and you sometimes have to hold up the set because it's falling down on you. 
and you have to make it work. Or the typewriter table falls over and the wheels break. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, am I giving away too much? I'm I'm sitting here. I'm feeling like these are real moments from your real life. Wow. (laughs) Oh, and I'm But there's nothing like it. So please go to the theater. Go to the theater, y'all. No, it's definitely been... A little bit emotional even with the super silly shows that I've seen since we've opened back up and right, seen right. the new shows on Broadway even the hilarious ones I'm crying when at curtain right. call because we're right. all standing up in this theater clapping for these actors all together right. again after not being able to do that for so long it's been pretty emotional going to the yeah, theater yeah and days. for those of us <laughs> who are standing on the stage doing this for you we are clapping at you mm-hmm because we had that ex- now I'm going to start crying I know what, 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 what is it between you and I we're just going to sit here and cry I'm emotional <laughs> <laughs> no no but it is it definitely is I have theater in such a special place in my heart so I feel you on the level of like, we got to do something to make this kind of more inclusive and for the artist again, because right now it's getting a little bit elitist and the kids don't even get to do it in their schools anymore. It's just getting it's getting scary. No, no, it's not good. Oh, wow. Well, and Um, let me tell you, this conversation has been so uplifting. I am so happy we had this conversation. I'm so excited for your show, too. And everyone Well, I adore you, so we got to keep keep connected, okay? Yes, let's connect for sure, because I am here. I'll definitely be in town for your show May 17th, everybody. May 17th, 7 o'clock show. All right. Yeah. All right. And it's going to be fun. Yeah. As Blake says, it's going to be historic. Yes. It's going to be a part of history. Wow. Wow. Well, I know I've said this a million times, but one last question before we leave. Mm-hmm. Do you have a daily mantra or words you wake up and kind of like help you move through your day or a saying that helps you move through your day to end out the mm-hmm. podcast? Mm-hmm. Okay, now you know. Ooh, okay, now you know. I love that. No. And Annie, Miss <laughs> Morrison, the one and only. <laughs> Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, come out and play with me, everybody. Yes, come and play with me. Yes, We're yes. going to have fun. Come uh-huh. play with me. You can catch her show May 17th at 7 p.m. at the one and only Feinstein's 54 Below. Yeah. Check it out. Get those tickets. They're on sale right now. And I'm your host, mm-hmm. Kevin Ferg. Follow me on all social media. And we'll catch you next time. Say bye, Annie. Ciao. Yeah. Or here's to us. Yes. <laughs> You've been listening to the Fine Science 54 Below podcast, part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.